Thanks for joining us for this Daily Devo. Our church's vision statement is every person matters. We want you to know that you matter to us and matter to God. My name is Kent Sundberg. I'm the next generation pastor here at eFree. Well, I thought that today we would focus on anything different than what we've been talking about for the last several weeks. Do you know what I mean? I'm not even going to mention it. So I thought we would take a look at something from the Old Testament. My goal for today is to encourage you in reading the Bible and hopefully just to enjoy God's Word together for a few minutes. So I'm having a really good time reading through the Bible, um, following our church chronological Bible reading plan. Maybe you have one. Looks like this. And um, I'm in Exodus. Maybe you are too. But there's so much, uh, so much to learn. And it's a great way for us to hear from God and to allow him to speak to us through his word every day. So I'm in Exodus. Love rereading this story about Moses and the Israelites. But can I take a little side detour here? We'll get back to Exodus in a second. I uh, attended a conference in January, and one of the speakers was teaching about how to read the Bible and to share some strategies. His name is Keith Farron. He's an author, speaker, blogger, and word-for-word biblical storyteller. He actually memorizes entire books of the Bible and can recite them somewhat dramatically. It's pretty cool, pretty amazing. But his desire is to help people to move from should to want when it comes to reading the Bible. If you ever struggle with reading the Bible like I have, I just want to share a couple of his tips, okay? So like I said, I've struggled probably my whole life in having a consistent time of reading the Bible, kind of on and off. It's not that I don't love the Bible. It's just the struggle is more about personal discipline of setting aside time to do it not to rush into things that I need to do each day. Thankfully, I've grown a lot in this area and can say that I honestly enjoy quiet time in God's Word. And I've come to the point of realizing my need for it. Having a consistent quiet time helps me to battle sin in my life and to hear from the Holy Spirit more clearly. So one of the most important takeaways uh, from Keith Farron's presentation was this. It takes 10 minutes for our brains to kick into story mode when we're reading. That means we have to be reading for 10 minutes before our minds are fully engaged in what we are reading. It takes time to, to get our minds focused when reading. So a good rule for spending time in the Word would be a minimum of 10 minutes. Beyond that, we can really absorb what we're reading and allow the Lord to speak to us. So a couple other tips from Keith. Read relationally, not informationally. He suggests uh, the really key in to really key into the relationships in the story. Um, another one would be there is someone playing defense. In other words, the enemy will try to keep you from reading God's word. And then the last one, read strategically, along with 10 minutes, read more at one time rather than just a little bit here and there, which is fine. But 
the more you soak in God's word, the more you'll get from it. So uh, some really good stuff. All right, back to Exodus. You ready? As I said, I'm enjoying this. There's so much to learn from the Old Testament, the people of God, how God leads, how Moses leads, etc. So in Exodus 18, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, comes to visit. I'll pick, I'll pick up reading in verse 7. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. They greeted each other and then went into the tent. Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake and about all the hardships they had met along the way and how the Lord had saved them. Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. He said, Praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh and who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord, now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods, for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God, and Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses, father-in-law, in the presence of God. Here's kind of the key part. The next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this you're doing for the people? Why, why do you alone sit as judge while all the people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, Because the people will come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and laws. Moses' father-in-law replied, What you're doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen to me now. I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them the decrees and laws and show them the way to live and the duties they are to perform. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you, the simple cases they can decide for themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He chose capable men from all Israel and made them leaders of the people, officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times, the difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided themselves. Then Moses sent his father-in-law on his way, and Jethro returned to his own country. All right. So, uh, Moses, okay, in the story, sorry, I lost my place. In the story, we learn some things about Moses and from his father-in-law. 
So Moses has the huge job of judging and mediating all the disputes of the Israelites. And there are a lot of them. The book of Exodus tells us that when the Israelites left Egypt, it was about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. That phrase, men on foot, meant able-bodied, military-aged men, so it did not count the men that didn't fit that category. Scholars believe that the total number of Israelites left Egypt during the Exodus, women and children and old men included, was around 2.4 million people. Wow. So for Moses to be the one and only judge of 2.4 million people, needless to say, had him very busy. Obviously, not everybody had a dispute every day, but I'm sure there's still a lot of disputes. Verse 13 says he would judge from morning until evening. All right, so Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, observes this, wisely confronts Moses, his son-in-law. And I think we can learn some things from Jethro and Moses' response to his father-in-law's advice. Three things, okay? Three things to know is from the story. One, the first, my first question is, why is Moses the only judge? Yes, God had given him the job of leading the Israelites. But as Jethro observed, Moses was so busy with this one task that is wearing him out and the people. Now, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I, I just wonder if Moses was the kind of person that felt he had to be the one doing everything. Or I wonder if being the one guy was feeding his ego in some ways. I don't know, but, you know, we often get significance from what we do, right? We find our identity in a job title, the way others look to us for the job we do, etc. There's nothing wrong with that, but it can become an idol in our lives. If we get more significance from the attention a job brings than the satisfaction of serving God in that job, then it might become an idol to us. It might reveal an area of pride. Sometimes handing off part of your job will reveal how much significance you get from it. Sharing the attention you get from that job will reveal some things in your heart too. There are so many things that can be better accomplished by a team than just yourself. But that requires you to share the credit, share the attention, share the significance. We have to give that to God, ask for his help. Uh, pride in our hearts is a multi, is multi-layered like an onion. When you peel back one part, there are several more layers for God to work on. Second, Jethro confronts Moses wisely and kind of gives us a good example of how to do it. He sees a problem, seeks to understand by asking a clarifying question first, and allows Moses to articulate the job that God had given him. This is a good counselor. I, I forgot to note that Jethro's first words to Moses are encouragement for what God had done through Moses. In verse 9, he says, Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing from the hand of the Egyptians. Uh, Jethro uh, spend some time with Moses, hearing the good things and, and enjoying the goodness of God with him before making any suggestions. Jether made a 
system suggestion that kept Moses in charge, making the most difficult decisions, but allowed for the training of other judges to help with the growing burden. This is wise too. Leadership development and training only helps an organization. Notice that the critique was constructive, not destructive. It was meant to help and contained a helpful suggestion. Third point, let's notice Moses' humble response. I'm sure Jethro's critique stung a little bit, maybe at first. How well do you, how, how do you deal with critique? I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I take critique personally. Okay, I almost always do, but more often than I should. Sometimes I try to defend myself, but a lot depends on how the critique is delivered. And Jethro does a really good job. He spent time with Moses. He asked questions. He encouraged him. I think that Moses knew that Jethro's heart was to help, not to criticize. It was a wise and helpful suggestion. And Moses humbly receives it and puts it in action. In verse 24, Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. Uh, in Ephraim Kids Elementary Ministry this month, our life app uh, which is the big lesson for the month. Our life app is humility. And the definition for humility that we use with kids is this. Humility is putting others first by giving up what you think you deserve. In this case with Moses and Jethro, Moses showed humility by giving up some pride. He may have thought that he deserved the respect to not have his methods questioned, although the Israelites had no trouble questioning his leadership. Moses showed humility by receiving his father-in-law's suggestion. All right, so let me wrap up with three questions for you to consider today. One, maybe check your life today. Are there areas that could be better or more effective that you're holding on to out of pride? Ask God to reveal those to you, perhaps through a trusted friend or even a father-in-law like Jethro. Maybe you need to be encouraged by a friend. Ask God for that too. Two, do you have a Jethro in your life? Someone who is not afraid to ask questions and suggestion, offer suggestions that might be difficult to receive, but helpful. A good counselor like Jethro is a rare but important person to have in your life. Maybe you already do have that person in your life and you need to listen to them about something. Or it could be also that you don't have someone like that. You can ask God for that person. Third, are you the kind of friend, are you that kind of friend to someone else? Is God prompting you to lovingly speak truth into someone else's life? Listen for God's leading in your life to encourage others and to help others. And remember Jethro's example. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth and lessons that we can learn from it. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for teaching us, helping us to be teachable. Pray that you would grow that in us, the humility to be teachable. Thank you 
for this time together to look into your word. And I pray for everyone watching now or later that your word and the love for your word will grow in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, as I wrap up, I want to share a couple of announcements with you um, to be aware of. I want to tell you about starter life groups online. Much like we talked about today in our devotional time, growing in community is essential to growing in Christ. If you attend eFree and are not in a life group, you are invited to start with a new online life group. This is cool. You can get connected by messaging our life group ministry assistant, Marianne Pabin, at Marianne at CarneyEfree.com. Second, calling all high school seniors. We are planning to honor our high school seniors on Sunday, May 3rd. Our senior service will be at 3 p.m. that Sunday online. You can watch on CarneyFree.com forward slash live, YouTube, and Facebook. We will be featuring a senior slideshow prior to church services that on um, that day too. Please uh, get in touch with Pastor Jordan to provide various photos and sign a photo release to allow us to show your pictures. This Sunday, we continue our sermon series, but with some revamped themes. This Sunday's message is Dangerous Prayers for Disturbing Times. I'll, I hope you'll join us online this Sunday for our services. We will be back tomorrow for another daily devotional. Thanks for spending a few minutes with us. We love you all, and we will see you later.